welcome to Believe, a Ted Lasso podcast. I'm Julian. I'm Tom. And we are Team Binge. And you are here with us to discuss episode two, season one yes. of Ted Lasso. If you're joining us for the first time, I would recommend listening to episode one. That's where we broke down the first one. We are now on the second one, which is called Biscuits. Biscuits. Yes. So what we'll be doing once again is just going through the episode uh, and talking about it. Really enjoyed this episode. I feel like pilots, the last one, are, you know, a lot of introduction, bringing in characters and doing those sorts of things. Episode two, I felt like, got a lot deeper into characters and, and plot. For sure. I think, obviously, a pilot has a lot of weight to carry to get people invested in the show. Right. This one, to me, really opened it up and allowed you to see how Ted Lasso was successful in his previous job and kind of why he's he's here and how he can be successful with his team. You see glimpses of it. Definitely. So. Definitely. And this episode was directed by Zach Braff. Uh, we talked about this before, but the show's created by Bill Lawrence. Bill Lawrence also created Scrubs. So there's a connection. Zach Braff, for those of you that don't know, starred in Scrubs, directed and wrote a movie called Garden State, which a lot of people liked, kind of an indie film. I'm a huge fan of Scrubs. Tom has only given Scrubs one or two episodes, which is no, a no, point of... No, seasons. I've dipped my toe in. I've okay, one or two. Yeah. I'm mixing up seasons and episodes today, so <laughs> that might get confusing <laughs> as we go through this. But Zach Braff directed it. Has um, he uh, done a lot of stuff? Obviously, he did that indie movie, but did he do a lot of directing on Scrubs, or is this relatively new for him? I know that he directed Scrubs. I know that he's very proud of the episode he's directed on Scrubs because he brings it up on his podcast, <laughs> which I would recommend people listen to. Uh, it's pretty funny. But I know he's done more than Garden State in terms of movies. He's got several movies. Mm -hmm. I just have not seen them other than Garden State. The other thing I want to mention is written by the same kind of crew, Bill Lawrence, uh, Jason Sudeikis. Uh, and then I made a mistake on the last one where I mentioned Brendan Hunt, who plays Coach Beard. Uh, and I made a comment like, I think they brought him back because he was in the original commercials. Well, not only was he in the original commercials, but he's a co-creator and co-writer. Oh, so wow. okay. Coach Beard is, is pretty involved in okay. the making of the show and his name being Brendan Hunt. So uh, second episode of the season called Biscuits. The things that they really get into are Ted Lasso's team building, his philosophy on you know getting everyone together, really focused on Rebecca. And her last name is Welton, um, the owner of the of the team. And then we also dive into uh, Jamie Tart and Sam. I'm not going to attempt his last name. Do you want to attempt his last oh, name? I don't remember what you're in. Obisanya. Obisanya. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Nigerian soccer player. So you'd say I nailed it that time? Better than last, okay. for sure. Yeah, definitely. So starts out, it's their first day, first official day as coaches. So opens up, they... Uh, get up and their flats are obviously right next to each other. They're in this quaint little village. I think it's a village. And they are making their way to essentially coach the team for the first day. Mm -hmm. I, I think what they do really well is they're establishing like how small the community is. Right. So there's people that they meet on the street, like the street performer mm -hmm. that he listens to. 
And that's one thing that you love about Ted. Like Ted is just taking it all in and he appreciates the street performer performing music, yeah. the kids playing soccer. That's what he he watches the school kids that are that are kicking it around. And like, are all these soccer teams, are they all tied to like small communities like that? Uh, it kind of depends. So like when I was doing some research, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but there are so many tiers of soccer uh, mm. or football in, in England. So you have the Premier League, which is what this show is focusing on, which is the top tier. Um, but what's very unique about English soccer, and I won't go too far into the soccer talk, but teams can uh, either get promoted or relegated within these leagues. Okay. So if you are in the bottom uh, of the table or the, the league, if you will, you will get demoted to the league prior or, or below. Okay. And if you win the league below, you can get promoted to the Premier League. So it's really cool how smaller teams can get move up and down. But all that's to be said is there's so many different small towns and stuff within like London um, that house a lot of these teams and where a lot of the footage is, is shot there uh, for the show. So, and like most of the teams are, I mean, in the same way, like we have a football team for our city, like mm -hmm. all these places are tied to, but they're not big cities, right? They're mostly small towns or I, are they small parts of big cities? I think they're smaller parts. So when they, and I'm asking Tom these questions because Tom <laughs> is our resident soccer expert or yes. football if you're not from here Go correct ahead. i have the background and i played it when i was a youth um i they... also played it when i was a youth <laughs> i played it i guess youth plus i continue to play i think everybody in the states like plays soccer when they're kids but i played it competitively and traveled and i played when i was a kid people still talk about it <laughs> i um, still talk about it but so the training ground that this show is filmed so where they do the training ground scenes the practice and all that okay. kind of stuff it's actually called uh, Beaconsfield Road, um, and it's where Hayes and Yeeting FC. And, and that was some of the little deep dive I did before because I wanted to know where that was because it's clearly a pretty decent-sized training complex. But that's a Tier 7 football club. So, like, again, it's a relatively small town, and I think it's so like part of So they killed three Westland. people in order to be in Tier 7? <laughs> so, yeah, apparently. It's part of the Ted Lasso hierarchy structure. I don't know. Wonderful. Um, but I, I definitely do think they also have in England, like, um, they call them academies. So you think of it like um, a small like Chelsea Academy has very young soccer players, like in uh, middle school, high school age, okay. that practice with kind of the, the, the Chelsea club and they're wearing Chelsea gear and all that kind of stuff, and then can kind of potentially get promoted and play for some of the lesser leagues of, of the Premier hmm. League and stuff. So okay. it's very interesting. But all that, again, is to say there is just a massive amount of soccer riddled throughout all little small towns so we've got sure. a small town relative soccer here in the usl um but there's just boatloads of them there sure and what i mean what you see as they are walking to work is like people playing it and then because some of these characters you don't know this because you have not watched the other episodes correct but the characters that he sees they reoccur they come back so yep. they're establishing early in the season that it's a, a, a small community rather than just a bunch of background players that we never see again. Mm -hmm. So then they get to the facility and Ted walks in to Rebecca's office uh, and we see, very, very funny, we see Rebecca Welton is Googling uh, her husband. Did you pause it? I had to pause yes, it to see all the yes, different things. Yes. So his name is Rupert. I don't know his last name. But his first name is Rupert. And so much, and we don't want to promote anyone, but let's just say a well-known search engine she is using. Google. 
What'd you say? Gogol. Gogol. Yeah, that that sounds right. Ask Gogol. has <laughs> got his name and then it's auto-filling all the things. Did you write down the things that were auto-filled? I did. A lot of it's just kind of generic, like, you know, how old is he? What's his net worth? All that kind of stuff. Because he's but a the, rich guy. He's yeah. a famous rich guy. The one great thing that it kind of throws in there is, you know, it kind of says, I don't know how we want to say. Let's say body part. I, I guess, mean, I guess <laughs> width. <laughs> there you I go. mean, I think you could say girth. You I think can, sure. girth is okay. Yeah. I mean, a girth is a term that I use every day to describe, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, clothing. So yeah, it, it, very funny that that's like, and it's kind of, I mean, I don't know that I have it on my Google anymore, but when those autofills would come up, when they give you what like everyone else in the world is Googling, <laughs> it would be like inevitably if you wait, ever... Googling. Googling, go sorry. <laughs> Inevitably, if you ever looked up like a famous person, it would always be the famous person and then feet. And you've got to wonder how many people are looking up people's feet. Is that like a, is it literally like a foot fetish thing? And it's just got enough searches? That or people are buying famous people's shoes and sending them to I'm them. I'm not aware I, of this. I mean, I've sent fetish. famous people's shoes before, but. Huh? So this introduces, as Ted comes into the office, biscuits with the boss, hmm. which is just a great premise, reoccurring thing that's happened. This is Ted. He brings her a box of biscuits, which are... Biscuits are just cookies, right? It's an English cookie? I think so, but it looks like cakes. Like, yeah. I know they call cookies biscuits, but what he delivers is like a... It's almost like a coffee cake or something like that. If anyone knows, send us a couple of boxes. We'll yeah. sample them. <laughs> yeah, we'll be eat more them. Than, be more than happy. We'll eat random internet pastries. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's true. Yeah. No, no, no. We won't check it at all. Just send it. Especially those people that left comments from the last one on our MySpace page. You know who you are. I'm not offended at all by what you said. Please send us pastries. A lot of wankers. A lot of wankers. <laughs> so, and this is Ted, like, uh, not being overbearing, but coming in and trying to make a connection with her. She's very standoffish. Um, he starts asking her, like, questions to get to know her mm -hmm. and so he's asking her and his opener is uh first concert best concert yeah. uh to which she responds the spice girls and the spice, and girls. the spice girls and his is kenny rogers the gambler i don't think they get to best i think he just gets to first before she i think in the later scene he comes back and then says what his best is and that's where he says beastie boys and does oh, that a little bit oh, so yeah it okay. continues later on when he sees her in the office right and she tells him she just does not have time for him, but he is relentless in his pursuit to make friends. Tom, what was your first concert? I was going to say, are we going to ask each other? My first concert was... No, I'm just going to ask you. Just me. Okay. Uh, Crew Fest. This was a Motley Crew concert. It was Motley Crew, Papa Roach, and Trapped, I think. Very fun. Thing. That says a lot about you. Yeah. I was going for Papa Roach. I was Motley like Crew and those other two, I don't really find a connection. Was it like... And I mean, they were the headliner? Motley Crue was a headliner, yeah. I think they were just more or less rock bands kind of a thing. I mean, Crue's obviously very old, so they're not going to be able to find a lot of, like, older bands to tour with them. It's because they're all dead. Yeah. But they were, I mean, they did all their, their hits. Uh, but it was a fun, it was a fun show. Okay, and the middle one was Papa Roach? Papa Roach. That was, that was the reason I went. I'm a big Papa Roach fan. That was the first CD I ever bought. Tom, I have not known you this long, but uh, I can tell you that Papa Roach was the only album you ever played uh, when we were, if we knew each other when we were young, that would have been the only CD <laughs> you would have played. You played it a lot. I remember it distinctly. Great album. Uh, I, I know you thought so. Um, 
And so, yours? What was yours? Ooh, this is going to tell a lot about me. My Spice first, Girls? My, no, my first concert was a band called Third Day, which is a Christian band. Mm. And I would say this is my first concert that I chose to go to. Okay. That, like, I wasn't just taken to by my family. And it was Third Day. <laughs> Got some great albums. They're like, I don't even know how to describe them, but they were still around. I I don't know. Maybe they could be. (laughs) No one. Well, I actually do think they still make music, but I obviously have lost track of them. We'll have to check them out on MySpace. (laughs) Yes, they do. I'm sure still have a pure volume page. Um, so she tells him, hey, I don't have time for biscuits with the, bo- with the boss. She does like the, we should point out, she really likes the biscuits. Oh, yeah. She just flips out. She has her, that first bite. Her reaction just... is vulgar. Yeah. And his reaction on his face when she says her thing was was great. He's, like, surprised by yeah. how vulgar. But uh, he's certainly glad that she enjoyed the biscuits. She tells him he she doesn't have time for it. He says, okay. And she's like, you're going to be in here tomorrow morning, aren't you? And he's like. You bet I am. <laughs> high fives the tree and leaves. <laughs> I got to high five more things when I exit rooms because that was just fantastic. Oh, I yeah. He's, he's, yeah, it's, it's a great thing. And then I started thinking as I watched that about the person that plays, the actor that plays Rebecca Welton. Mm. So I looked her up because I didn't think I had seen her or anything else. Nor did I. The actress's name, and I'm going to look here, is Hannah Waddingham. And you are a big Game of Thrones fan. Yep. And I know you know this now, but who did she play in Game of Thrones? So she played Septa, one of the nuns. Did you know her actual name? Uh, I could look it up, now? but I'm going to go with it. Septa Septa is Septa, her name. Septa Seven. Uh, but yeah, so she was one of the uh, kind of Septas or priestess in the uh, the church there in um, Game of Thrones land. Wasn't she the main one that shames... Yeah, Cersei. So she takes her down like the little shame road and stuff, and then it was ringing the bell the whole way through. But I think one of the things that kind of came out later is towards the end, I guess Game of Thrones spoilers. Uh, but Cersei, oh, like, oh, that's a good point. Game yeah. of Thrones spoilers. I said it. We're doing it anyways. Yeah, listen, if you haven't watched Game of Thrones by now, you're probably not going to watch it. So I only read the books. Yeah. Well, you, no, I've that. actually watched the show too. Because if you have, if you read the books, you're still not there because the books aren't done. But anyway, so she goes through this like really heavy like waterboarding torture scene in that, and apparently um, there were articles and stuff that came out relatively recently that said like that was like the most excruciating acting she's ever done in her life because they were literally waterboarding. Her. Oh, she got waterboarded. Yeah, because she was the one they're like holding a cloth over her, and it was just like crazy difficult. And I couldn't believe they made her that main actress do all this kind of stuff. You figured they'd have a stunt double get waterboarded. Patriot Act, man, you're <laughs> yeah. allowed to do anything. Patriot <laughs> Act. She's back in London now, so they have different rules. So, yeah, that's true. Unless <laughs> she shows up over here. Um, and then that that scene ends, and it uh, they do the introduction for the first time. Because I don't think they did the intro in the in the pilot episode. Intro for? For sorry? the show itself. Oh, no, no, they did. They've did they? The, yeah, where he's like he's in the seats and stuff like that. Yes. And yeah, and then it's changing the Ted Lasso, the colors of the seats. Yeah, that's in the first. Okay, episode. I'm going to bet $5, because this is what friends do, that in the pilot episode, they do not play the intro music and the guy sitting. You can hold us accountable to this. I'll hand Tom five bucks. Because I feel like I watched this episode, and I was like, oh, that's a cool intro. And the, the intro is him sitting in the seats that are all blue, because Richmond is, is a blue, their color is blue. And then the seats all turn red. It's almost like he showed up and people changed a, 
uh, allegiance, right? Ooh, okay, yeah. That's okay. how I, is that yeah. not how you interpret it? I didn't think that far into it, but I like that. I like that interpretation. How long did you watch the intro for? I mean, how many times did you watch the intro? <laughs> uh, twice, the first episode and this episode. Twice. Yeah, I see what you did there, and I don't like it because I don't think you've seen it twice. I think you've seen it once. But no, I think the thing is, like, he sits down in the blue chairs, and they, it's like a wave of red. It spells out Ted Lasso, but I think the idea is he's unpopular, and so people are like, the colors are a lot of stadiums. Like, there's a bunch of Democrats, and then Ted Lasso <laughs> sits down, and then a bunch of Republicans show up. That's how I took it. Because I'm pretty sure their political parties over there are the same as ours, right? That has to be. They're definitely not. Um, but I think a lot of stadiums have that, though. Like like Chelsea or all these big stadiums. Like, it'll say... Chairs the, that change colors? Not that change colors, but, like, the name of the club in the seats in a different color. So, like, seeing that... Not necessarily... The transformation, I like oh. that idea. A lot of stadiums have that idea of letters and words being The colors spelled. aren't all the same. Uh, the chairs yeah. aren't... I'm sorry. All the, same the colors aren't all the same chairs. <laughs> That's a better sentence. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that one. <laughs> Theme yeah. song sounded familiar to you. Super familiar. And I'm a big fan of this band as well, Mumford & Sons. So I think it's just... Is it... They say they're the Papa Roach of England. That's <laughs> true. Are they English? They sound English. They sound like they're from medieval times. They're from one of the United Kingdoms. As we already established, we know all four of them. Um, <laughs> I still don't know the four. I'm ashamed. It's Wales, Scotland, Ireland, United, Britain. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I did that it. just for a joke. I knew those two. Yeah. I could name them again right um, now. But yeah, so I know you've got a little bit more. I think it's Marcus Mumford, if I have that right. Like, he's the one of the main yep. lead singers. And I think he was the one that writ, wrote and composed and obviously performed this song for, for Ted Lasso. Right. I didn't, I didn't listen to the lyrics. The lyrics, like, um, sentimental to the show? Or did they kind of say anything about the show? Did you I was too them? busy watching Seats Change Color. Okay. I have no idea what any of that. <laughs> we'll get that for episode seven. Yeah. So then uh, we get through the intro. It's Beard and Lasso on the pitch, the training field, watching training. You can tell Ted is is nervous. He's like shaking out his hands. And they establish in their walk to work that, you know, they both have first day jitters is what mm -hmm. they call it. Yep. And so uh, they have this very funny exchange uh, where uh, Ted says something about Coach Lasso says something about look at that player in his cleats. And Coach Beard corrects him because cleats are not called cleats. They're called boots, boots. <laughs> Which leads to, and I was trying to talk about this on the first one, but I didn't give a good example, is Ted and Beard, Lasso and Beard have this thing where they go, and I'll just give the line. Yeah, he says, so if I get fired from my job where I'm putting cleats in the trunk of my car. You get the boot from putting the boots in the boot. Great boot work. Great boot work. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Incredible. So they have, that's like a running thing that they do with each other. They even do it later on in the episode. Yeah. But it's just a very funny exchange between them. I, I enjoyed that completely. And then we watch uh, Jamie Tart, school Sam Obasanya, mm -hmm. leave him in the ground. And then he kicks a, a goal. And then he starts taunting Sam. You watched that soccer. As you watched that soccer, were you like, oh, man, these guys are World Cup bound? I have to admit, the first episode was not very blown away by the, the soccer and the moves and whatnot. But I, Agree to disagree. I, I went back and watched this a few times because, like, Tart put on a pretty decent move there. Like, mm. I don't know what it's called, but he got a... The way he got uh, around Obasanya, and then that shot, the shot was a wicked shot. It was top corner. Sure. It had a little knuckle on it. 
Like that was a legitimate a little shot. knuckle. This is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's a, can I use that term now? It has a little yeah. knuckle on it. Yeah, for sure. I don't know what it means, but I'm going to use it. He swazed it. Okay. That's you're, you're adding like more confusing terms to define a term. This is like <laughs> when your kid asks you what a difficult word means and you use another difficult word to define it. And then you have to talk to your kid for three hours and it's terrible. That's what you just did there. But yeah. So knuckle or swaz another term for it more or less you got no spin the ball so you just you don't know what's going to happen to it but that ball just goes top shelf top corner is it like uh, a knuckle ball is that what you're saying yeah so the, okay, ball. for the americans out there it's like a knuckle ball where it just kind of we all know what a knuckle ball is <laughs> yeah. but again very impressive and kind of zooming in you can't tell for sure but it definitely looks like oh i think it it's is that, that actor hitting that ball yeah sure. I, I think it's he's that got some actor. skill and i read somewhere or heard somewhere that they shot for this first season they shot all the soccer in like a couple of days uh, obviously they're not like i mean shows are not shot in scene order yeah but what they did for the show is they did all the like soccer action the games the the practices or the training they did those all together and someone mentioned that that actor that plays jamie tart actually has some some soccer skills it makes sense i mean you see those hips like it's just a perfect size hips okay yeah i didn't notice the hips but um, that was a reference to the later line with the uh he's like i, I feel that we're a band oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. narrow hips, I get it. Narrow yeah, hips. Yeah. I get it. Uh, not only does jamie score the goal he leaves sam in the dust sam's upset instead of i mean jamie being jamie he walks over and taunts him mm -hmm. which then gets involved i think he's my favorite character at least one of my top 10 in the show, uh, Roy Kent, comes in oh, and calls Jamie a name, picks Sam up. Like, he's clearly a leader, and he's he's, he's looking out for uh, the younger players. Jamie doesn't need anyone to look out for him, it mm -hmm. would seem. Picks him up, and then we have Ted bring Sam over to give him a little bit co of coaching because Sam is, is clearly... Uh, he's down. He's sure. down, yeah. yeah, having a rough day. And he tells him... To be what? <laughs> to be more like a goldfish. A goldfish. And the look on his face is like just utter. He looks like a goldfish. We're yeah. just looking at him. Like, just big, like staring at him. Big eyes. Doesn't know what to do. Uh, but yeah, the idea of like goldfish only having a 10 second memory, which is that accurate? I know it's kind of no, like a general. No, 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 no. As someone who regularly reads medical journals on goldfish. Goldfish Weekly. Yeah, Goldfish Weekly. Uh, I'm here to shatter everyone's t-shirts that they have about being a goldfish. All that merch out there goldfish have memories that last five months folks wow. so not true but it's a great anecdote for the show because again the, the idea i think he talks to nate a little bit about it too about him like being more down on himself and he's that obasanya's character like as a player is more down on himself um so i think ted thinks like this is a good way for him to just you have to you can't always think about what happened in the past you know you got to focus on the present and what's going on in the future yeah, and I know you're not familiar with it, but in American football, um, they say this a lot about like quarterbacks, like if they throw an interception. What's that? Um, so an interception is when. Moving on. Okay. So uh, they say that about like just like forgetting about that play and, and yeah. moving, having short memories, essentially. Yeah. Being goldfish. Being goldfish. Uh, and after Sam departs, that's when Nate and Ted have the exchange. Oh, and he's God. like, hey, what's the deal with Sam? And Nate says, well, you know, since he joined the league, he's been struggling. Um, and Ted assumes it's him being homesick, mm. which may be a little bit of projecting because you can kind of tell Ted is homesick during this For sure. a little bit. Once again, not a medical or mental doctor in any way, but I'm diagnosing Ted with homesickness. <laughs> he makes this joke and I'm going to get it right. <laughs> Uh, to Nate, he says, because Sam is down, he says, 
we will have to Nigeria him up, a right. play on Nigeria. <laughs> and Nate starts laughing. And Ted goes, so you're still laughing at jokes that aren't funny. And Nate just like stops laughing. He goes, uh, I'm not always sure what's a joke and what is it. And yeah. Ted goes, yeah, stuff to tell these days, which is just a great I just love, exchange. Yeah, and like Nate's acting, I think, or the actor is just fantastic in that oh, because it's just such yeah. a great, like, kind of fake, a fake forced laugh. Like, you can just tell this guy's done this throughout his whole life. Right. Um, it's very, very convincing. But of course, Ted picks up on yeah, it. Yeah, Ted picks up on his <clears throat> lack of genuine humor. So then we are done with training and we have Higgins and Rebecca walking through the facility talking. She has just watched a viral clip of Ted doing his dance, mm -hmm. which is just so fun and infectious. Yep. And she realizes she hired him to make this team bad, but she's realizing everywhere he goes, people love him. She sees it with him trying to like befriend her. Yeah. She calls him relentless and nice and she says it as an insult essentially and so she's complaining to higgins and she says the only thing that could muck this up meaning him driving the team into the ground is if like the players learn to love him and somehow his plan works which right. is so she is now you can kind of tell she's establishing more that she needs to do something to stab sabotage his mm -hmm. attempts at bringing the team together the other big thing here is she asks higgins to find out uh, who makes the biscuits that yeah. Ted is delivering to the office every time. The other thing I think is funny is she goes, Higgins, who has the most sway in the locker room? And Higgins, who's the head of football operations, does not have any idea. And she like calls him worthless, yeah, essentially. Like, super helpful. And then what I thought was funny is they, they're in the doorway as the team is coming through. She says hi to him. Jamie and a couple of the players like don't even acknowledge her existence or Higgins' existence. Higgins like tries to high five them, <laughs> and then the last two people I think are Sam and Roy Kent, both like say hi to her and call her Miss Welton. Yeah. So just kind of I don't know little things that show like respect, I guess, for the organization, for the ownership, mm -hmm. um, and then the people that don't care, like Jamie, who only cares about himself. This leads us to the locker room prior to the game with Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, which is a real that is a football real, team, is football a, club, real football you. club. FC. Yep. Yep. Uh, they are a real team. And it was kind of interesting too because I said in the last pod that I assumed uh, AFC Richmond was kind of more or less a placeholder or taking over for Crystal Palace because the game that they actually play and they say it's a home game uh, takes place at. Crystal Palace's stadium. Oh, okay. Uh, so when I first saw that, I was kind of like, oh, that's why they're just going to be Crystal Palace. But no, Crystal Palace does exist in this, you know, uh, English Premier League universe. So that was kind of interesting. Got it. Okay. So then we're in the locker room. Ted gets the team's attention. Really, Beard gets the team's attention. I, I love it. Like, Beard surprises him because he yells. And then, like, Ted gives him a look. Like, thanks, coach. <laughs> like, all right. So aggressive. He asks Beard, you know, what should they know about Crystal Palace? And he responds with, A lot of speed on the outside. A lot of speed. Lot of speed. <laughs> like, what does that mean? Anything else? What does that mean? A lot of speed. Uh, it's just great. I mean, it's more or less just probably saying they're uh, like either their forwards or their midfielders that generally are going to go on the outside. They're fast. So they got real fast players on the outside. So they'll probably play a lot of balls um, to the outside and then try to cross them in for, for goals. Okay. As opposed to a lot of speed on the inside. If I was to say a lot of speed on the inside, would I ever say that or how would that apply? Yeah, you have certain players that like to play more inside, like a lot of like uh, power forward, not power forwards, but like forwards that are more like um, 
like bigger guys and stuff like that. They'll try to just own the inside. A ball will kind of come into them and then they'll try to play the ball back, move around and stay inside and try to get a goal. Okay. They're not the ones that are going to go on the edge and try to cross the ball because they're like the Jamie Tarts. They're not going to be the guy that crosses the ball. They're going to be the guy that's in the middle trying to score. Got it. Okay. <laughs> then Ted mentions, hey, you beat these guys earlier in the year, earlier in the season. Yeah. Um, so they must be mid-season. We are mid-season. They're mid-season. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I interrupted. Go no, ahead. No, they mentioned at one point, I think they're like 13th in the league. And obviously, I did look that up. There are uh, 20 teams in the Premier League. You play 38 games. So obviously, you can't play yourself. That was a question from last pod. We got a ton of comments about it. People had no idea how many teams were in the Premier League. They came to us for answers. And we came to our resident expert. And our resident expert, who originally said there were 36 because they play how many games? No. Nope. Uh, how many teams were there, Tom? I originally said like 16, I think, because I said there were they 38 games. Oh, that's what it was. They play 38 okay. games, and I'm not realizing that the math wouldn't work because you can't play yourself if it's not being 40. There are 20 In this teams. day and age, math is whatever you want it to be, my friend. It's true. You really change math? I, I mean, I've seen kid. the Incredibles too, where he says that math changes, but I don't have my kids with their homework. I have we'll, a smart we'll, we'll get to that. that. They're not going to change the game plan because they've already beat Crystal Palace. Yep. And you can almost see Roy Kent, like they flash to Roy Kent, and he's like a little bit aggravated that Ted is not, uh, not necessarily not taking it serious, but like not adding anything to the game plan. That's how I took it, at least. I don't know if you, in, in Roy Kent's situation, you don't want him coming in and saying, this is our game plan. We're going to change this forward. We're going to change our, our, our uh, formation, all that kind of stuff. You wouldn't want him doing that, Sure. I think. So I would almost think that him just saying, just kind of keep doing your thing, I'm still new. I'm still more or less observing this team because they clearly know he doesn't know the game. Sure. So if he were to change the formations, I feel like Kent would be more pissed about that. I think you and I have different like leadership philosophies. Like you, just based on comments you said, or like kind of get the feel for the locker room, get the feel for the players, let them do their thing. And me, I'm I'm coming in, I'm establishing right away. Like Dominance. everything that was working before, I'm going to change. Just to change, just to show them who the new manager is. <laughs> and I'm going to make them call me Mr. Manager. <laughs> so then that's an entirely different show Ted does Ted does this thing where he says and I love this line he says something like if the internet has taught us anything like anonymous comments uh, are great or I'm butchering the line I don't but, remember that line well he ultimately what he's bringing out is anonymous suggestion box oh the box yeah the, the box. box so <laughs> he brings out a, a anonymous suggestion box this is his attempt to team build he says hey if there's anything wrong with uh, whatever, the locker room, any of those things, leave it in the box. It's anonymous. Mm -hmm. They gave the chore to Nate to get a box, and we find out that his nephew or niece yeah. like has bedazzled it, so it's like a super fancy box. <laughs> and, Ted, and Nate says, oh, my niece loves crafts, and he says, I love pictures into your personal life, <laughs> yeah. which is just great. That's one thing about the show, too, is like you can watch it multiple times, and I have watched this episode twice in preparation for this pod, and like some of those jokes, they they come so fast sure. um, from from Ted because he's just kind of like it's it's his mind working, and these are observations that he is not like a lot of us just keep it in our head. He'll just sure. say it out loud, and it's not mean, it's not anything. It's just literally that observation. And then I think um, uh, Tart does it a little bit later about the panda lion thing that we can kind of talk about, which is just really funny. His observations and stuff that he right. Plays out. So they put out the suggestion box, and this is where Roy gets into it a little bit, or at least you kind of see more of his displeasure. He comes up to Lasso and he says, we're middle of the table, lost three of the last four, 
and you want to know if the snacks are tasty <laughs> enough. And it's so much funnier in a British accent, in an angry British <laughs> accent, than what I just did. And then Ted goes, are they? And then Roy storms off, and then Jamie sidles up, and he's like, they are not. And then he <laughs> yeah. it's just a great, like... They this the timing the way they move around it's great I I I laugh most of the things that Roy <laughs> Kent does and says throughout the episode I want to mention one thing too before we leave this scene <clears throat> I did a little bit of deep dive on this because it's very prominent I saw it in the last episode but I see it a lot in this episode is they have this Latin phrase that is next to their logo it's in their locker room. And it's kind of riddled all over the place. Did you notice and see this? No, 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 no. Next to Richmond Football Club's Richmond yeah. FC's so it's, logo. It's AFC Richmond, too, by the way. We were saying it wrong in the first episode. It's AFC, which is like Association what Football the a Club. What does the A stand for? I think it's Association. Uh, it's like a more generic term. Does it stand for, for American by chance? No, it's not American. American Football the... Club? Richmond? Because Richmond, we have Richmonds out here. Richmond, we do. Richmond actually we have a lot is, of Richmonds. Uh, it is a small town or city outside of London. Okay. I didn't notice that. I'm so familiar like, with London. Yeah, okay. Um, London is like our New York. But I don't speak Latin, but I believe it says Gradarius Firmus Victoria. So I kind of looked this up because, again, it, it seemed to be very featured in this episode. And I was trying to figure out what this stood for. I had no very... idea I was going to learn Latin tonight. Yeah. And I am excited. I'm sorry, this morning. Well, yeah, whenever we're potting. You probably won't because apparently the Latin is really bad. I literally did a deep dive on this. Some dude wrote like a seven-page essay on this whole like phrase, and I didn't read all of it, um, but I skimmed it. And it more or less loosely trans translates to firm hand guides us to victory. Or you could also read that as like taking small steps to victory or slow and steady wins a race, which I think is kind of interesting with what you're seeing so far with this episode and and how Ted is um, tr treating the team or, or sure. handling the team where he's taking a slow and steady approach. And again, I don't know how this season ends, if he turns Richmond around or if it still struggles and stuff, but I thought that was kind of very interesting because it was featured so prominently. But again, that Latin is apparently very bad based on the internet. Well, I would say slow and steady wins the race sounds better in Latin than if they just had the phrase slow and steady wins the race on all of their logos. I think most <laughs> things sound better in Latin. You don't know this about me, but I have slow and steady wins the race tattooed on my body. Wow. But now that you've said this, maybe I'll get it also done in Latin <clears throat> on the opposite body part from what it, never mind. Um, learning so much again. I didn't. Slurs. I didn't see this in the airport bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, we cut from that, and we see Ted walking back into the clubhouse, and he opens the door. He sees someone down the hallway, and this is just such a great gag. Mm -hmm. He opens the door, and then he stands next to the door. And Jason Sudeikis, if you just watch his face, does such a great job of. He's looking everywhere, like yeah. He and it's. I think that, I mean, I didn't count it off. Did you count it off? It's probably 10 seconds. Yeah, at least. Which of a show that is only, you know, 30 minutes long, it's like a long joke. He's standing with his door open, holding it open for someone. You don't know who it is. And he is just awkwardly standing. And I feel like we've all, well, if you're polite, you've been in this situation before. Yeah. If you're a jerk that doesn't hold the door for people, <laughs> then you've never been in this situation. But eventually find out it's Rebecca. Uh, she comes through the door. She says something like, Ted, that was a really long time to hold the door. And he says, 
I respect you didn't hurry. <laughs> which is such a great, such a great line. I respect that you didn't hurry. Which says, like right there, says a lot about where their relationship is at. Like he's trying. Mm-hmm. He's trying to be respectful. He's trying to be nice. And the fact that she didn't hurry up. Like we've all done it. Someone holds a door and all of a sudden you find yourself sprinting towards the door because you're like, I don't want that person to hold that door forever. Yeah. Are you a door holder? Oh, yeah. I'm at a, I'm at a jerk. Thank you. Yeah, no, I know you're not a jerk, but uh, no, but I, I guess do. we equate those things. I do. And I'm like, same kind of thing. I would do something similar. Like if I saw somebody kind of coming that's far away, you can kind of do that move where you kind of, you see them coming, but you feel like, yeah, they're too far away. I'll just push the door open a little bit harder. Sure. So as I'm Sometimes going, it hits and swings. hopefully they can catch it by the time. Um, then they catch that door. But what I love most, and you mentioned it, like the framing of the scene is just so great. How it just shows him, yeah, yeah Ted opening the door and his just the front of his face and him holding the door. So you have no idea. It's just right. really brilliantly done. Right. And just the look, the looks he does on his face. I encourage anyone to rewatch it. He's just perfect. Like where he's looking, how awkward it is. No words are said. Nope. Like it's great. And so they have that exchange at the door. Keely, Jamie Tart's girlfriend, pulls up in a sweet car. I'm going to guess it's a Maserati. I have no idea. All British cars look cool. And she pulls up and she immediately asks, would you rather be a lion or a panda? And without missing a beat, Rebecca goes, I don't have time for this. (laughs) And and like walks up and Keely goes like, she's like, okay, (laughs) that was rude. Yeah. And so they then have the conversation of Lion or Panda, and Ted goes with... He goes with Panda. panda. And I would imagine, he doesn't say it explicitly, but you got to imagine Ted Lasso is a panda in that situation, right? Like, more of like a cuddly bear who, he's still a bear, he can still maul you and, and attack you. Do pandas maul people? Sure, they're bears. Pandas are still... Have you ever seen, if I Google panda mauling someone on the internet, which I encourage everyone to do <laughs> with your children in the room, do you think I would see a video of a panda yeah, mauling a person? Yeah. Pandas are wild animals, then they're still a bear. They're going to, I mean, they don't like, they're not carnivorous, so they're not going to like eat meat because they think they just eat bamboo and leaves, but okay. they'll still protect their young men. I recently heard by a very important pe- person that pandas are fat, lazy, and have pea-stained fur. And no kung fu. That wasn't her line. I was quoting <laughs> I Rebecca Welton. But that's true. I guess they're frightening if they do know kung fu. That's fair. <laughs> So then they're they're having a conversation about panda or lion. Ted chooses panda. No and context, then, by the way. You no, no yeah, no like, context, which is great. Yeah, and it kind of establishes like the relationship of Keely and Ted that she would be willing to like shout that at him in mm-hmm. a parking lot. I rarely shout questions at people in parking lots, <laughs> other than "Will you hold the door?" or "Will you walk faster?" Will you jump my car battery? Oh man, <laughs> don't get me started. Um, <laughs> 110 degrees outside, and you're just sitting in a parking lot waiting. Actually, someone, anyways. Someone did try and jump it, but it didn't work. Then Rebecca is re-engaged. She hears Ted pick Panda, and she's, like, offended. She's like, lion. Lion all the way. Lions murder people. Lions are the king of the jungle. Ted's like, what about an elephant? Can I be an elephant? And Keely's like, no, no, it's Panda or lion. And what's just so funny is Rebecca is, like, revolted by the fact that he wouldn't choose. And you kind of wonder if that's, like... If she's putting on a show, if she's just got to do that, or if she's, like, that type of person that is, like, I guess type A personality that needs to be a lion. Like, maybe she just needs to be because of the situation she's in. I think so. I think she she's definitely that kind of personality that she's not just going to let that kind of go. She wants to make sure everybody knows that she's a lion. I think that's maybe some of it, too. She wants to make sure people understand where she's coming from. 
not necessarily because she clearly doesn't care about the conversation, but she wants people to know she would I be am a lion. Right. right. And so she walks out. I think Ted and Keely are both like, yeah, she's a lion. And Keely makes some comment about that tall woman is very intimidating, <laughs> yeah. which you do see her on screen. And I constantly think, how tall is she? And so I looked it up. The actri- actress is 5'10". Okay. Um, but I feel like, so you know in American football, you're familiar with American football. Correct. Or American basketball, the players, like, exaggerate their heights. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, like With if, your cleats on your Sure, sure, inches. sure. So I think maybe with actresses, they, like, de-height themselves. Because there's probably not a ton of parts for, for tall women, I guess. Mm-hmm. So while she's listed at 5'10", I'm going to say realistically, she's probably 6'7", and could play for the Milwaukee Bucks. So she, she acts at 5'10", but she like, plays at, like, 6'7". No, I think her actual height is 6'7", oh. but she's listed at 5'10". <laughs> okay. I guarantee she can dunk in American basketball. I don't know what the hoop height is for English basketball. <laughs> um, so then Jamie comes out. Jamie Tart comes out while they're having this conversation. And just a great exchange. Do you want to take this or do you want me to take this? Yeah, so like, yeah, Jamie comes out and, uh, again, Ted asks the same question. Like, are you a panda or are you a lion? And, of course, Jamie just not seemingly understanding the hypothetical sure. just immediately says coach i'm me why would i want to be anybody else <laughs> which is just great and again ted's line that it's if you you blink and you miss it but he comes back and says i'm not sure you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is right which is just so great like i literally had to stop and think about like what he said and like yeah that is like he's right he sees himself but clearly he has some sort of mental issue where he can't. He's so ingrained in himself. He thinks about nobody else. I don't want to be somebody else. I don't want to be a panda. Sure. I am me. I am right. part. Well, that's, yeah, that's funny. Like, we spend so much of our lives, like, uh, I mean, wishing we're someone else or wishing we, we had this. Jamie is so, like, confident in himself or so, I guess, what he feels like fulfilled. He's like, why would I be anyone else? I'm me. I'm wearing this icon hat in this sweet tracksuit. And he's got that crossbody fanny pack. Yeah. I don't know if it's a fanny pack that he's just wearing crossbody or if those are things. That's a thing. I think that's coming back. The only thing, the only time I've ever seen a grown man wear a pack like that is on the uh, Frisbee golf course. That's mm. the only time I've seen someone doing that. But that person could wear the hell out of that Frisbee golf uh, bag. It's called disc golf, but I mean. If you want to get technical. Okay, that's what they call it in, in England. England yep. <laughs> um, oh, and what's so funny is uh, Ted says that line to him about yeah. how psychologically psychologically healthy it is, and then Jamie, because he's English, goes cheers. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I got this. And then he says, what "Okay, so so Jamie says cheers yep. to leave, like as a goodbye, because mm-hmm. that's what they say." And Ted says, "Night court." I had to look this up. Okay, and it's know. once again, it's one of those jokes you'll miss if yeah. you're not paying attention. So he says, "Cheers." Ted responds with Night Court. So this is an NBC Thursday lineup, the TV shows. Oh. So Cheers, obviously a well-known sitcom, mm-hmm. like a, a cherished and beloved sitcom. There was also a, another show that ran either before it or after it in Thursday on NBC, and it was called Night Court. So he says Cheers. They say Night Court. <laughs> I went on a Reddit thread, and there was a Reddit thread about how this joke was done on Community. Because John Oliver says cheers, one of Abed says mash, and then, no, 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 Jeff, Jeffrey Winger says cheers, Abed says mash, 
and then John Oliver says Faulty Towers, and uh, which is like a British sitcom. So it was done on Community first. It's probably done on The Simpsons first, but that's another story. <laughs> that's and, funny because yeah, I didn't get that. I didn't realize like I just I, I still equate Cheers because again I know some English thing like I use Cheers occasionally at work with people. Uh, so when I heard that, I didn't think of the show. So when he says Night Court, I'm like, that just came out of nowhere. So I didn't even think about it until you just said that. So at your podcast job, you say cheers to people? Yeah, cheers, man. Okay. Well, that's cool. This leads us to Keely and Ted talking. Uh, Rebecca, from her Rolls Royce, does the like the window roll down, like, bad guy. It's the Cruella de Vil kind of thing, <laughs> right? Stare. She's just like... Then slowly brings the window back up uh, as she's plotting. You know, she might right. as well be doing this with her fingers like the Burns. Oh, exactly. George Burns. Uh, Not so, George Burns. Uh, George Burns, what's his name? Yeah, George Burns. <laughs> uh, from Bailey's and Loan. Yeah, from the Christmas story. Ken Burns. No, Ken Burns, the Civil War documentary, dude. Mr. It's Mr. Burns. Monty Monty Burns. Okay, good. Mr. Burns. I I mean, if you know him well enough to use his first name, I have my doubts about you. I refer to him as Mr. Burns. Excellent. And Smithers. Keely, I had to look her up because every time she's come on screen, I thought, I I know her from something. Turns out... You did a lot of research in the last episode to go back and look at the locker pictures to make sure that those were all Keely, which, spoiler alert, they all were Keely. I told you in secret that I did a lot of... (laughs) On the pod. Yes. So, uh, well, that's pretty much secret. Um, so, Keely, uh, yes, and I was wrong. Forgive me, Jamie. I, would, I owe Jamie an apology. Yeah. I assumed he was the type of dirtbag that would have a girlfriend and then a bunch of other women's pictures in his locker room. He's a stand-up tart. A stand-up tart. <laughs> so, Keely Jones, every time I see her, I think I know that actress from something. It turns out I do not know that actress from anything. Her name is Juno Temple. Um, Sounds like a familiar name, like a good actress name, Juno Temple. Juno Temple, sure. But I looked at her IMDb page. There was nothing that like jumped out at me. I think she's um, kind of one of those like, is it like Jessica Chastain and Bryce Dallas Howard? Like they're just two actresses that look very similar. I think she has like a doppelganger that's like a famous uh, American actress. Okay, so do you know who the doppelganger is? No idea. No okay, idea. but I feel like I should do some uh, research. No, no, no. This is what an audience is for. Uh, yep. Please find out who her doppelganger is. Send us MySpace messages with the doppelganger. No answer is wrong, by the way. Uh, no answer is into Dutch. No answer is into Dutch. Oh, good for you. <laughs> oh. By the way, this is the second episode. Our second episode of our podcast. The second time we've given our audience homework. Yeah, but they love homework. But they love it. That's they why they homework. come. Okay, so then uh, this puts us to the pub with uh, Coach Beard and Coach Lasso. Coach Lasso brings out the anonymous suggestion box. Oh, man. And the way he, like, shakes it and Beard rubs his hand, like, they're so excited. Yeah. And you're... and. You just, I don't know. Once again, my thought is these guys have been here. They know none of this is going to be good. They're <laughs> yeah. not dumb. Yeah. Like, they just know. But their enthusiasm for it is so great. So they open the box. They start going through the suggestions. Uh, and the majority of them are... Wanker. <laughs> Wanker. And the lady that plays the 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 pub... The bartender. No, no, pub no. tender. No, no, no. It's not, it's not a pub it's a, tender. I like it's pub It's called tender. like a... Oh, it's no, they've right. got a name. Oh, it's gonna drive me mad. Anyways, so we're gonna say solicitor. The solicitor at the pub. Actually, I think that's an attorney or a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. they Barrister. have a name. Barrister. No, Barrister's, Barrister's also an attorney. 
that's just not right. All right, so let's move on from this before we show any more of our ignorance. She comes in and she says, Ted, you don't want him to call you a wanker. And he's like, what does a wanker mean? And she makes a lewd hand gesture. And his line is, do you remember his line? Uh, oh, he's like, yeah, I was like, I'm more of a visual learner, so I appreciate that. <laughs> he's like, I'm a visual learner, so that's helpful. Yeah. So they're going through the suggestion boxes. It's all wanker. Ted makes Ted says something like, no, one of them says, I hope you choke on a Big Mac. Mm. And Ted goes, well, I'm glad these are anonymous. Or Beard goes, I'm glad these are anonymous. And Ted goes, no, Roy wrote his name on this one. <laughs> so it says, I hope you choke on a Big Mac. Roy can't. And Beard reacts, he goes, Roy. Almost like like Roy is a disobedient child that he loves. <laughs> well, I think they know. Like, they know they're going to win over Roy. So right. they're like, why, why would he do this? But again, I think they get it. And like, it's subtle, but I would argue that's another like clown reference. There's like a Ronald McDonald, oh, you know, wow. like a clown kind of okay. a thing. So I yeah. thought that was also kind of interesting choke on a Big Mac of all yeah. the things to choose. Well, I thought that was just a common way that Americans go is choking on a Big Mac. Anyways, <laughs> um, the one suggestion they get is that the shower, the shower water pressure yep. is rubbish. Yep. And so Beard pockets that. That comes into play later. And I like that, though, because you could tell, like, they're like, okay, wanker, wanker. Like, these are just the stupid ones that we're not getting anything from. But they knew they're going to get something from sure. it that they can do. It's sure. a small thing, but they know they can do it. So, wait, Beard just puts that in his pocket. I yeah, he takes it serious. Yeah, and so, uh, then they're, next thing, they're walking back to work. They run into the same girl that's playing soccer. Mm-hmm. I think she, like, jukes Ted. We don't have a name um, for this character. I'm assuming this character kind of comes back as much as they she, see Charger in this She episode. comes back, and she has a name, but... We'll we'll learn okay, it later okay, on, but okay. at this point, we're not supposed to know who Fair. she is. So this brings us to Biscuits with the Boss, day two. Uh, we find that Rebecca <laughs> Higgins is trying another biscuit, and then she's yelling at Higgins because he has brought her these biscuits, and they are the wrong biscuits. And he's so... on the spit bucket, which is just fantastic. <laughs> so she tastes the, the biscuit, and then she spits into it's the just... bucket. Like classic Higgins, just right. holding onto the spit bucket. Right. And I love the way it starts, too, because you see her with that biscuit, like, oh, she's going to have another biscuit. And she kind of gets that look on her face like she might like it. But then, bleh, she's immediately disgust. And then you realize it's Higgins trying to give it to her. Right. And so then Ted shows up. He explains to her that, hey, everyone in the building is part of the team. And this is where, we're like, he's establishing, hey, this is a team building thing. That's why he wants to meet with her in the morning. Uh, and he explains, I'm even meeting with Higgins for lunch. And Higgins is like, we're having salads in my office. And this leads to one of the best, best jokes. Ted, they finish their conversation. Ted says, hey, Higgins, I'll uh, I'll see you later for lunch. He's exiting. He walks out the door. And do you remember what Higgins says? And then Higgins says, and I, I missed this the first watch through. I just kind of said, like, why, like, why did this just happen? But like, uh, Higgins gives him the caesar you later caesar you later like a caesar salad and because ted loves that joke so much he just barrels back into the room and again just some fantastic physical comedy the way he barrels down that door it makes me think they went through a couple doors doing that. oh yeah yeah he hits that door so hard coming back through it and then he just like points at higgins and he's like yes yes and higgins Higgins and you can tell Higgins likes Ted like Higgins has fallen into Ted's orbit and like likes him and then Ted leaves and Rebecca gives Higgins (laughs) this look like you piece of garbage and Higgins immediately goes from loving Ted to he's so intolerable like just just uh, and 
You just feel for Higgins, like... Do you think, like, Ted, like, the way he jumped back into that room is not only because he liked the joke, but do you feel like he now knows he kind of won Higgins over? Like, yeah, that was oh, yeah, like, yeah. I got, I got Higgins. Definitely. He's in my orbit. He's like, Higgs, Higgins is buying in. Higgins is, you know, probably lasso level one at okay. this point. Yep. You know, he's yep. reached one. Um, <laughs> is that going to be a recurring thing? We're going to say where the characters are? What level, what level are. lasso they are? Well, I don't establish that. The Church of Lasso okay. establishes that. And, you know, I don't get that until I reach level seven. I'm a level six. I can make congestures. Con- congestures? You had yeah, it. yeah, sure. That was it. That's a word. I didn't make it up. Conjectures. Everyone knew what I meant. Yep. And so I have level six powers, but I can only kind of guess at what level pe- people are. Yeah. Once you reach seven... Then you get to you just know where you just are. know where they are. Yeah. Sure. So, all right. Then we find ourselves in the locker room prior to the game, right? Or yes. Is... So the big match. Yeah, the big match, and they get Sam to leave the room because they found out. Oh, while they're in the pub, they talk about it's Sam's birthday, mm-hmm. and so they've decided to pass around a box in the locker room for money to get Sam some gifts. It seems kind of odd to do that, if I'm being honest. Like passing around a box in a locker room asking for money for something like if you want to get a guy a gift get a guy a gift and i don't know i mean we obviously find out later what they get him doesn't seem like it's a very pricey gift so like why they're collecting money from everybody in there for that when like ted could probably just get this gift or something i don't know it's a team building thing tom is it well this is this will explain our levels of lasso okay it's team building what he's doing here is he's establishing hey guys a member of our team has a birthday all right let's all chip in collectively to get him something. So everyone's, I mean, literally everyone's buying in to All make right. Sam happy. Because you know Sam what? is, is you homesick. Sold you sold me when you said literally everybody's buying in. <laughs> All right, I'm in. And that, I mean, listen, I've been asking you to go to auditing at the Church of Lasso for a long time. I feel like these are the things that you get. I mean, is it expensive? Yes. <laughs> but once you get to level six, you understand all these things. Yeah. So... They pass around a collection box. Big thing here is that as it gets to Jamie Tart, Jamie Tart, because he is a jerk, a mm. real tart, he... Real tart hole. Okay, yeah, yeah, I like that. A tart hole. Sounds, sounds like turtle. Um, <laughs> he takes his chewing gum and he shoves it in the box. And it's Nate that's passing the box around. And so Nate doesn't know what to do. He essentially like thanks him. Jamie, that's really yeah. kind. And then he moves on. And I like what Ted does here. Like, Ted confronts him but he does it in like he doesn't do it in like an angry way he just walks over and he's like hey jamie did you just put gum in the like collection box Mm -hmm. why did you do that and i think it's very interesting like from a conflict resolution point some people do things and like all it takes is someone to like walk over and be like hey why did you do that so that like they literally have to reflect on or at least they like Oh, someone noticed that I am a tart hole. Yeah. I should probably not do that. Ted does the thing where he says, hey, we're all a team here. Nate's part of the team. We're just trying to do something for Sam. Mm-hmm. And then we see Jamie go into his analogy of what he thinks of this team, which is... Which is, yeah, the band. So he yeah, equates them to the Rolling Stones. And I think we kind of mentioned it earlier. He's Mick Jagger. Um, I think, what is it... Uh, Kent is Keith Richards because he's old. And... He's old and everyone wonders why he's not dead yeah. or everyone assumes he's already dead. <laughs> and that's where, yeah, he says, I've got the move, or James like, I've got the moves. 
good neck movement. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can do it. I can't. If I did it, I'd pull something. And that's when Ted makes the comment about the, the tiny waist. Really what Jamie's pointing out is that he's the star and everyone else is like backup. And that Nate okay. is, is yeah, yeah. a uh, essentially, I don't know if the Rolling Stones had backup dancers. I'm assuming they did. <laughs> but Nate is, I think he says Nate is someone that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Um, and so you just see that Jamie is a jerk, but Ted confronts him on it. And then after being confronted, Jamie acts contrite. And he's like, sorry, coach, I'll be better. I was just, you know, having some fun. And then as soon as Ted walks away, Jamie wa- makes the wanker hand motion. He does the reference. And then obviously Ted gets a, a glimpse of it through the reflection of like a mirror or something they kind of had up there. Sure. But you can just tell like how disingenuous Turt's comments are. Like, you know that he is just saying this because he knows that's what Ted wants to hear. Right. And if he says that, if he says that, Ted will leave. Right. And I think that's his kind of goal in that. I thought it was interesting that Ted saw it in the mirror and did not to turn shake, around and confront. He just like shook it off. And I guess he's like picking his battles, which made sense to me. <laughs> uh, you brought up the icon hat. I looked up the icon hat. Icon hat on Amazon right now is two hundred and sixteen dollars. So that, that has two hundred and sixteen dollars. Why? How much does your hat cost? Uh, this hat's like thirty dollars. I think it's how much hats go for oh nowadays. My goodness, thirty dollars. What are you? Hats used to be twenty dollars when we were kids. I can't believe man. I'm going to lose a five dollar bet with you, and that's going to buy one sixth of a hat. Yep. All right. So then we're at the press conference. Oh, that was that was after training. That was not before the game, because then we go into a press conference. Yeah. Um. And uh, Trent Krim, our favorite reporter, My great man, hair, that hair, asks a question. <clears throat> before we get to Trent Krim, what I think is interesting is. Ted is calling on reporters by name. Yep. He's like Marcus. He like knows their names, which once again, Ted's big on names. And the feeling I get, tell me if you got this, is that like the reporters are starting to like Ted. And it can't be more than a couple of days because they're asking him questions. He's answering them in like not necessarily serious ways. He's giving mm-hmm. them answers, but they all laugh like everyone seems to be enjoying it as opposed to just being outraged by him. Did you get the sense that he was like winning over the press? I think so. I mean, I don't, it's interesting to know like how long the press have been talking to him. Cause again, if Lasso's giving those little quips and stuff and he knows their names, like they can see that he's not your regular coach that they've been dealing with. Like the first coach we saw get sacked in the first episode, you know, he wasn't treating the press like, like Ted is. So sure. I don't know if I necessarily got this that they sense. constantly see Liam and Noel. <laughs> yeah. Noah. That was <laughs> yeah. his name. It's not let's not re regurgitate that conversation. Regurgitate? <laughs> yeah, I know the same thing. Oh no. Yeah, that was, okay. That was the right word. Yeah. Um but <laughs> yeah, I don't know, because again, he only really calls on Marcus. He calls on the other guy, the uh Trent. Trent Krim of the Independent. Yeah, but then he's got the other guy from The Sun who just kind of seems like a sleazeball, part of the tabloid or whatever. Yeah, so that guy says, I'm so-and-so from The Sun, and everyone in the room groans. It's uh, great. Which, that, they're like the TMZ of England, right? Or so. they're the yeah, yeah, tabloid. tabloid. Yep. Okay. What I think is funny is Trent Krim uh, clearly trying to, like, trip Ted up uh, because we find out that Trent is kind of after Ted, mm. asks him to explain the offside rule, <laughs> and Ted's response is, I'm going to quote the like 1964 Supreme Court when they defined pornography. It ain't easy to explain, but you know it when you see it. Yep. Which uh, we don't need to go into the offside rule. I know what it is. I've watched football. Uh, once again, just a way that Trent is trying to trip up Ted. Ted answers it in such a way that he gets laughs. Like yeah. the, the people, the Sun reporter doesn't have a question for Ted. He's got a question for Rebecca, which mm-hmm. is just rubbing in her face that her husband was having an affair 
like for the past five years yeah. while they were married. She did not know. That ends the press conference. We go to Rebecca's office where she's Googling this woman that the reporter brought up. And something Ted does so well. And, and like, once again, from a character standpoint, I made the, I, I'm trying to make the case from like Ted's outlook. Rather than like awkwardly shying away from that, she's clearly upset by it. He literally goes into her office and he asks her, hey, like, that was rough. How are you? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. And then he's brought the care package that he got from home. And he's kind of using that to make her feel better. And what I thought was interesting is he pulls uh, a jar of barbecue sauce out. Mm -hmm. He tastes it. He makes a comment about, hey, is there like a food that brings you comfort? Or mm -hmm. is there a food that like reminds you of home? And she does this thing where she looks at the biscuits that he's been bringing. Yep. Which makes you almost think is, is like, did she have, like, were biscuits something from her childhood or biscuits from, and then somehow Ted found that out? That'd be a lot of research by Ted. Yeah. But I think it's just showing, like, oh, and when he walks in and she's Googling, she's eating his, she's eating the biscuits yeah. that he brought, almost mm -hmm. like a comfort food. Anyways, she looks at the biscuits and then she goes, no, like, I don't have a comfort food. And then Ted, or Jason Sudeikis just does a great job. Mm -hmm. He, like, looks at her. He looks at the biscuits and you can just tell from the eyes, like yeah. nothing has to be said just from the eyes that he recognizes, hey, she finds comfort in, you know, this thing that I'm bringing, um, which it's I actually, thought was very interesting. And it's interesting to say that because obviously the, the episode does a lot of like the comfort foods with him and the barbecue sauce, right. with her and the biscuits, right. you know, the, the upcoming gift to uh, Sam, right? It's right. The, the, Sam. The, the yep. birthday. Yeah, that's very interesting. They kind of they play with that on multiple levels, which I don't think I got even through the two watches I I had. And I like that. Um, what's your comfort food, Tom? Do you have a comfort food? Uh, Taco Bell. Really, anything from Taco Bell's menu probably be my favorite. That's because when you were a young boy and your parents came home from I don't know working at the locomotive station, they yep. would bring you Taco Bell. You would have been home all day alone i guess that's not i mean how do you what's the definition of a comfort food just something you enjoy that that brings you joy i guess i would think of it as yeah something that brings you joy but in for some reason in my mind i relate it to like childhood something you had as a child it's like the scene in ratatouille where the food critic mm, tries yeah. the food and like shoots him back to a childhood memory I'm only bringing this up because I recently watched Ratatouille. Um, yeah, that's what I think of when I think of comfort food. So it's okay. Like, it's, well, do you, you have, well, what's yours? I don't know that it's a comfort food, but there's, there's, my mom makes this clam dip. That is such a weird comfort food. But my mom always makes around the holidays, and then my dad does homemade Chex Mix. And so, mm. like, I associate those two things with like a food that I've had like for years and years and years. Uh, but only at certain times and only with family. My grandma used to make that, uh, called it dog food or puppy food or whatever, which was like Chex Mix. Puppy chow. Puppy chow. Yeah. 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 You always call it just dog food. Yeah. which is like Chex Mix riddled with peanut butter, chocolate, and uh, Covered in cocaine. Sugar. Oh, delicious. Oh, oh, you guys did powdered sugar. We did powdered sugar. Oh, okay. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different countries, <laughs> different things. And and Ted, interesting, he's going, he's pulling out the things in his care package from his son. One of them's an army man. He sets it on her desk and he's like, hey, this guy's here to protect you. My mm -hmm. son sent it for me. Um, and what I think is interesting is all these interactions, and we'll see it again with Sam, is like Ted is relating to these people by saying like, hey, I'm homesick too. I'm going through some things. This is why my son sent me a care package. Almost relating to yeah. like their challenges as well. Mm -hmm. And then he asks Rebecca 
he's like, hey, the reason I came up here actually was to talk about Jamie Tart, trying to figure out what his like operating system is. How do I get to him? Mm-hmm. Trying to get him to buy into the team. And she has this realization that Ted needs to talk to Keeley. And really from a, and I think she's establishing it there from like a subterfuge. Good word. <laughs> that she is thinking if I get those two together, because they have some sort of connection. Not uh, My excuse is, hey, go talk to Keeley to learn about Jamie. But then we see some other things develop. She knows exactly what she's doing. With sure. She's trying to get them together. She, We find out later that she's the one that hires the photographer that's going to be taking pictures of her uh, when they're together at Keeley's modeling photo shoot here. Um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely wheel spinning. As someone who's <laughs> only seen first and second episode... Mm-hmm. What do you think of a romantic relationship between Keeley and Coach Theodore Lasso? Um, I mean, I don't. I think it's non-existent. I don't think they're. You don't think romantic. they have a connection? You don't think there's like I, some flirting that's going on? I think they 100% have a connection. But in terms of like it being a romantic connection, I I don't see it. Maybe I mean I don't know. Like I can see maybe where Ted Lasso being away and being pushed away by his wife. Maybe he does, but I don't know if I. I don't see that relationship as anything more than just friends. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm by my reaction and my interesting that I said four times, I'm not going to tell you what that developed into. I'm clearly not foreshadowing or telegraphing anything at all. Well, I will say, Oh no. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Uh, so then this brings Ted to Keeley's mod- model or her photo shoot mm-hmm. where she is modeling. She's selling caffeinated vodka, which is great. I love the green man, by the way, who's like, I guess, dubbing in for what's going to be later a CG lion. <laughs> yes. But I immediately think of like Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Charlie Day's oh, yeah. character running yep. around as green man. That's great. Yeah. And so <laughs> she is dressed as, I mean, I wouldn't even know she's a lion. She's in like no. a frilly dress. Her hair is all white. But she lets us know that she chose lion as opposed to panda. We get a shot of the woman that's dressed as the panda. <laughs> and she looks like she's got two black eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like someone punched her. And so... Um, which uh, is not necessarily funny, but it looks funny. And so then we have the conversation of, hey, what drives Jamie? She's, mm-hmm. uh, oh, they go to get food. Yep. And so they're eating food. And Ted asks Keely, hey, what, you know, what motivates Jamie? <laughs> and her first response is excellent, which is her first response is, um, we'll just say a sexual act. Yes. And then <laughs> he pauses for a beat and he goes, are there like are there any other options? Yeah. Or it's <laughs> not going to work for him. I don't yeah, think that's, that's yeah. going to be Ted. La- that's not the lasso way. That's not the lasso way. <laughs> um, and so then she suggests positive reinforcement. They have a fun time talking. What I find so strange in this is that he is feeding her a hamburger. Mm-hmm. Which, how often are you feeding women who? you're not, I guess, in a marital relationship with. How often do you feed the woman that you're in a marital relationship with? Well, I do think it's weird. So obviously, like, the the, the gag they try to do is because she's got these claws on or she's got her nails oh, long. Oh, she can't so hold she can't, the burger. She can't hold the burger. What a weird food to choose, by the way. Yeah, and so, you know, Ted is stepping in and, and like holding the burger. nachos. It's, yeah. like... it's an odd food. So I, I get they're trying to do it and they're they're trying to set it up so the photographer can take some like risque, if sure. you will, pictures. Right. But it is goofy. Like I'll feed my wife like maybe dessert or something like that if we're at a fancy restaurant. Okay. I might give her a bite. But yeah, I don't know if I would do that to 
a relative stranger. Um, but again, it's about, I, I, to me, outside of looking in, I don't think this is sexual in any way. I don't think this is romantic in any way. This is just Ted being Ted, like, hey. Sure, just being helpful. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So then uh, she, we, she establishes that, hey, positive reinforcement works for Jamie. Mm-hmm. And Ted's like, hey, that's my wheelhouse. I'll give it a go. Uh, we depart there, and now we are in the locker room now before the match with Crystal Palace. And so, once again, we ask Coach Beard what the scouting report is on Crystal Palace and his response is... Speed on the outside. Speed on the outside. You heard the man. Before the game, they do Sam's birthday. Mm -hmm. So they wheel out uh, a little cart. Nate wheels it out. It's got a bunch of stuff for Sam. They say happy birthday. The whole team's involved, other than Jamie. Like, Mm -hmm. everyone's kind of uh, in on Sam. They give him chin-chin, which is, I had to look it up. It's a fried snack from West Africa. It apparently has the flavor of nutmeg. Do you have any idea what nutmeg? I actually brought some chin-chin. I didn't bring any chin-chin. Oh, That would have been been pretty sweet. You didn't even, I don't know why I fell for that. (laughs) Did you actually? You didn't even, yeah, I thought, I was like, oh, that'd be great if you brought (laughs) chin-chin. I don't know what a chin-chin. Everyone loves to listen to someone eat on a microphone. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, we could have done the next, I don't know, I'm assuming this is going to take two more hours, uh, (laughs) eating these, like, crunchy chin-chin. Well, it'll be half Ted Lasso podcast, half ASMR podcast. Oh, man. Is that what that means? Okay. I'm going to ask you what that means, ASMR off, uh, off mic. (laughs) <laughs> the team claps for him. Sam's appreciative. And then Ted comes over and just says, hey, we wanted to get you something special. Uh, and they kind of bond. Ted's like, hey, you know, I miss my son. I'm homesick. Sam's also homesick. Uh, I thought Sam was funny because he says this thing about, you know, when I was a kid, my dad used to pinch my earlobes. Mm. Like it's like a funny, not a funny, but something he yeah, like heartfelt. remembers from. Yeah. And they're having a moment and you see Jamie like rolling his eyes he just could not he's like they're having a touching moment and then jamie's like you got to be kidding me Mm -hmm. uh these two grown men are having a moment which again says a lot about him like the fact that like these two grown men are having a moment and he's likely never had that with another guy like that sure like just even basic interaction talking about anything other than women or whatever sure he does and what's interesting a callback to so this was directed by zach braff bill lawrence one of the things I like about Scrubs and what Scrubs was like never afraid to do is JD and Turk, Donald Faison and Zach Braff, the two main characters, like our best friends, two guys, affectionate, like loving, weren't afraid to like share feelings. And so I think that's kind of a theme in like Bill Lawrence's world because a lot of time it's very masculine. You don't want to give off a vibe that people would think is i guess weird i I don't know and so it's not surprising that zach braff directed this i like how they do game time (laughs) like game time starts game time and the announcers do you know who the announcers are uh it's arlo is one of them they're they're both famous british announcers oh are they okay they're real so they're not actors they're weird uh, they're real they brought them in the microphone they're real people they're real people yes they're real so they didn't cgi those guys (laughs) those are real people real people okay we talked very briefly about the microphones they used oh yeah oh yeah oh yes it looked like like the dart it looked like they were holding up the darth vader like uh mouthpiece and i would imagine it's something i didn't do research on this but it seems like where they were they're like their press box if you will where they're doing the commentating is like right in there with the crowd so i think some of it is to control the crowd noise in those small stadiums where it kind of covers the top so they're literally holding it up to like their mustaches sure and that's where they're kind of reading it through sure um but one thing i do want to ask so he mentions it's darby day in london 
Do you know what that means or what that's a reference to? Derby Day? It's Derby Day in London. I'm assuming it's when the Kentucky Derby races. <laughs> it is spelled D-R-E-B-Y, but it's, yeah, I guess in English. I stand by my answer then. <laughs> uh, no, Derby is like a, a, an English term for um, kind of like a rivalry. So generally oh, a Derby okay. is, um, at least the way I've heard it referred to a lot of the English Premier League games, is when uh, teams that are reside from like the same outskirts of like a major city play each other. So like uh, when Tottenham plays Chelsea, because they're both out of like West London, they'll call that a Derby. Okay. Or like when Manchester City plays Manchester United, they're both out of the you know city of Manchester, uh, they call it a Derby match. So okay. assuming Richmond, I didn't look on a map, but assuming Richmond and Crystal Palace are relatively close, I'd imagine. So for now on, anytime there's some sort of rivalry, I can use the term Derby. Call it a Derby. Yep. Okay. Got it. Ted Lasso comes out onto the field. They're chanting. They're chanting Wanker. Their best um, favorite. Uh, the uh, yeah. announcers apologize for the fruity language, <laughs> which is a great, great term. They're like, "And we're off!" And then it immediately cuts to the end of the game. Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, Richmond, uh, AFC Richmond has lost uh, one to four. Mm. Oh, this is one thing I wanted to ask: Do soccer teams have mascots? Because there is clearly a mascot on that field, mm-hmm. and he's like a big elephant giant dog i don't know what it is i think they're greyhounds right okay i think at one point they call them like the dog pound or something like that or they reference um i can't remember what the little area is but like as they're kind of coming in i think a section of the stands is like the the main uh supporter section or whatever sure Uh, but yeah a lot of them do i think like chelsea the team that i follow um they're the chelsea like lions or blue lions or whatever so they've got like a cute little lion mascot that they have and i think it's more for like kids involvement and stuff into the got it okay so then we uh have them come into the locker room after the loss the announcers make a comment about the only bright spot was the defensive play of sam who apparently turned it around because they sang him happy birthday jamie gets mad at the announcers because he scored a goal and then they say (laughs) something like there was a consolation goal for jamie during injury time thank you (laughs) he's just proud of himself that he scored a goal once again you just see how selfish jamie is in terms of oh and the announcers you don't hear it but i listen to it with subtitles yeah they make a comment about he celebrated so after he made this consolation goal he celebrated like he won the world cup yeah so they're down 4-1 and he celebrated for that like garbage time yeah they were yeah already probably down 4-0 he gets a late goal just to kind of more or less boost his ego which helps ted in this upcoming conversation but again i love the way the show does this is they're already showing ted's effect like ted has shown interest in sam and has helped sam like connect Uh, to his past and they the announcers as he's leaving say sam had a great game sam did well kind of showcasing that if you can buy into this lasso program you don't have to be and i don't know how good of a defender or player he is in this world but all it takes is just some of that motivation or something being behind you being part of the team and you can be greater yeah and maybe it's less of like sam buying in and more just like the positive effect of Ted caring about him, mm-hmm. showing him that, hey, you have teammates, they care, it's your birthday, they all pitched in for this. Yep. Um, no, that's a great, a great point. Locker room, Ted calls Jamie into his office, uh, adjacent to the locker room, kind of goes into, based on Keeley's background, he kind of leans into this pod- positive reinforcement. He says, hey, you know, you are one of the best athletes I've ever coached. You are truly great at everything that you do. And Jamie, like, you can tell Jamie, like, 
he appreciates it because mm-hmm. I think he expects, I don't know, maybe that he's going to get, you know, chewed out or something. Right. And so Jamie kind of like straightens up. He responds to the compliment. And then Ted goes, you know, the one thing is essentially, you know, you're one in a million. And when you're out on that field, you forget that, you know, you're one of 11. You're mm-hmm. part of a team. You're so focused on you. Which made me think that I don't actually know how many players are on a field during a soccer <laughs> There game. are 11. That is accurate. So that's not just like players and bench players. There's 11 dudes running around on both sides. Yep. So Le- during a soccer game, there are 22 people running around on that field. Correct. 10 in play, goalie on each side. You got 22 men on the pitch. That seems like a lot of dudes running around. Well, technically 23. Fields. You count the ref. I don't. <laughs> I don't count the, I don't count refs as real people. How many Come refs? at us, refs. And then they have two sideline refs. How much refing did you do as a kid? I never did any refing. Oh, My brother right. did, but I never did. Okay. So then he talks to him about that. Hey, if you can turn that, you know, from from me to us, mm-hmm. you'd be, you know, just incredibly excellent. And you kind of feel like Jamie's getting a little bit. And and he, he does say, hey, that was a heck of a goal, by the way. So. Well, and again, like for me, this is just classic Ted. And you could tell he's done this before. Like he realizes positive reinforcement is what this guy needs. I'm going to start this by saying something positive about the guy. Sure. I'm going to stay in the middle. I'm going to say some kind of criticism. And I'm going to come back and say something positive. So sure. you're kind of sneaking in the criticism into what he is. And it makes that that much more powerful for the tart. So you see it for the tart. I like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to acknowledge that you did great there. So you see it as essentially what we would call a compliment sandwich. Oh, yes. Is that, okay. a, is that a term? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You're not, you're not, you've never been fed a compliment sandwich. It's a, you do this really well, but this, and then, but, you know, you did do this well. So you like. I've gotten like the negative sandwich where it's like, you did something decent in the middle, but you started off really bad. You ended really bad. Oh, okay. That's a sandwich. Sometimes that, that sandwich is better for you. Yeah. Yeah. Vegan. Um... It's a vegan sandwich. <laughs> so then uh, Roy comes in. Roy says, that was effing embarrassing. Mm-hmm. He's upset. He looks at Nate, and Nate oh, responds gosh. so great. Nate goes, I am also livid. And then he throws his elbow, and he busts out the glass window on the door. And then he looks through it, and Lasso's like, what are you doing? And Nate's like, I don't know. <laughs> He's just like so dejected and so embarrassed he did that. Yeah. yeah. And oh, so great. Ted, in order to cheer up the team, they cut Sam's birthday cake. They hand it out. They turn on music. They're trying to, and essentially he's like, hey, forget about this loss. We'll get him on the next one. Mm-hmm. Let's have fun. Let's celebrate Sam. He goes up to Rebecca and Higgins. Higgins, they're in Rebecca's office. He brings cake. He asks them and he says, hey, it'd mean a lot to the players for you guys to come down and, and for them to know you're in their corner, even yep. though it was a loss. Mm-hmm. And so Higgins joins, Rebecca does not. What I think is funny is Higgins is just like destroying cake and he's <laughs> dancing in the locker room and everyone's enjoying it. And if you look, they cut to Nate. Nate is holding a roll of tape yeah. and he has taped the glass window. It's like masking tape too. Yeah, it's, it's like packing like tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that brown packing tape. <laughs> Can we acknowledge though Higgins has got some moves? Man. Oh, Higgins has got great moves. He's got, hey, hey, would you say he has moves like Jagger? No, 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 no. He's not a Jagger, but he doesn't have that <laughs> tiny waist. But you in the first episode were not hot on Higgins. Are you learning to love Higgins? Or is Higgins still just the yes man that you can't stand? I don't know. I mean, I, I get I get what they're doing with his character. He's still a yes man. He still annoys me. But when he, like, branches out and he's not being that sniveling, conniving, just yes man to Rebecca, sure. I think he's a fun and likable character. But I still don't. 
I, I still don't love his dynamic with, with Rebecca. Sure. Okay. And then we have Roy Kent goes to the shower room. Uh, he turns on the water, and it's clearly got a lot more pressure than it did before. Funny, like, physical gag bit as another player comes yeah. in, turns it on, and unsuspectingly <laughs> right is, is, is knocked over. And then the, the line is, Gaffer fixed the water pressure yeah. or something like and he calls everyone son, which I think is funny. He's yeah. like, careful, son, the Gaffer fixed the water pressure. um and now they're back at the village what i think is so great and it's probably taken me several watches to catch this but as coach lasso and beard separate on the street and coach uh coach lasso goes to talk or goes to play soccer with the girl again Mm -hmm. uh as coach beard's leaving he shouts i hate losing yeah (laughs) which uh there is a line from moneyball where he says I hate losing more than I like winning. And as someone who hates losing, just like <laughs> hates it in my core, whether or not it's card games or card games or card games, I hate losing. So when Coach Beard shouted that, I really felt for him. No, that's funny. Because, yeah, that was a good line. And that's, I think it's, it's a fair point because I think it's it, it hits people more than it does others. And you could tell Coach Beard is one of those very competitive people that a win's a win and they kind of like expect to win. Sure. When you get it, it's not as impactful, but it's like those those hard fought losses and stuff. Especially as new coaches kind of coming in, you could tell Lasso probably let it roll off quicker than sure. Beard would. Beard wanted to come in there and be successful right away. Yeah, Ted from the very pilot episode was, hey, it's not about wins, losses, or ties. Or ties. Um, <laughs> he's just there for, you know, the players themselves. And so <laughs> then this brings us to Rebecca at home. She is watching the tabloid. She is watching the woman. Uh, and, and you can tell it's kind of like eating at her. And then she talks to Higgins on the phone. By the way, Rebecca has an iPhone. So I don't know if that establishes in an Apple show whether or not she's the good guy or the bad guy. I wouldn't call her a villain. Okay. Like, it's villains they won't let her. So pro-Rebecca and what she's doing to Ted. I am not saying that. That's what I heard. So um, (laughs) That's what Apple's saying. (laughs) That's true, with their product placement. So then we have uh, Higgins and Rebecca... Higgins says, hey, I sent you over the photos. There are these paparazzi photos of Ted feeding Keely. Mm-hmm. She says something like the star player's girlfriend, you know, cozying up to the coach. That's going to, you know, play hell on the team, play hell on Coach Lasso's reputation. Mm-hmm. And Higgins even points out, he goes, the, the press are going to crush them. Are you sure you want to release these pictures? And... Once again, Bill Lawrence, Zach Braff, just from the writing, like the music that's playing, the way that it's cut, the way she's acting, you can just tell, like, you're kind of like, is she going to? Is she going to turn? That's what I was going to ask you, because she's just staring at the little army man, and you can... Oh, the army man that Ted gave her, right? And we're already kind of seeing, like, that she is... Intimidate is not the right word, but she can see the Ted Lasso effect and what he has on other people and kind of what it's doing to her. So this is kind of that moment, like, do, do I let this man who I think probably, I think she thinks this can turn this team around at this point, even this early on. Um, But she gets that, that glimpse of the, you know, the hot model chick or whatever that the new husband is going after, or I guess has been with for a long time. And it just triggers that back into her. And she's like, no, my hatred for this man, 
uh, my former husband is stronger than, you know, Ted in that relationship. Right. And she decides to pull the trigger and, and make it so. Yeah, I think it's I think it's probably less about like what he's doing to the team and it's more about what he's doing to her in sure. terms of like yeah. the friendship he's trying to like the fact that he is, you know, he cares for her mm -hmm. despite her being cold and, you know, uncaring towards him. The fact that he asked after the reporter got after it, he's asking how she's doing. He gave a gift that his son gave to him mm -hmm. uh, to her um you can you know there's that moment but then she throws the soldier she says hey send him to the press she's just gonna step on it later and be mad right like, that's what i thought cleaning who, it up? Leaves, who leaves an army man have you ever stepped on a lego have you ever stepped on an army man uh especially it was like tile it's not like yeah. it was in carpet or anything so so yeah they they send it to the press and also cut within the scene we find out where the biscuits come from. It's just so great. And where do the biscuits come from? They're Ted's. They're Ted's homemade recipe, apparently. Did you, was it telegraphed enough in the show that you thought he was the one making them? It was a complete surprise to me. Oh, really? It okay. 100% was. I, and I think what sold it was little pink boxes. I felt like those little oh, pink boxes sure. made it seem like more professional and like that he did buy them from like a local shop and then sure. was bringing them. So the fact that he went that extra level, got the little boxes, I love the little bit where he puts a little bobblehead of the queen on right. top of them to kind of keep them closed or whatever. Right. Uh, really good. And I think, again, just a fantastic reveal that continues just to show how much this, is, this character cares about other people. Sure. Even people that don't show him that same love and respect. Right. And that's, you know, a, a big, big theme for this is him, like, trying to get to know people, caring about people, even though they may not care for him. Mm -hmm. He And he is not aggressive but like persistent yeah like persistent is a great word. i'm gonna i'm gonna win these people over despite how they treat me i am going to care for them and, and try and help them out mm -hmm. uh, and then you see just from like a team building trying to get everyone caring about one another mm -hmm. caring about sam's birthday like everyone contributing and and you just see kind of ted's outlook and and how that is having an effect on Higgins, Sam. Right. And the other thing I want to mention is Bill Lawrence, Zach Braff. They did it in Scrubs and they're doing it here. They do so well with like the music. I don't yeah. know what that song is. I've got to look it up. There's like a song that plays while she's deciding whether or not to send the photos. Mm -hmm. And they just do such a good job of like the music conveying the feeling and like I don't know. So um enjoy this episode a lot once again established a lot deeper connection with these people mm -hmm. uh than the pilot episode yeah and you can kind of see like the transformation that's taking place um the thing i don't think we got a ton of is the beard and and coach lasso there was some yeah. interaction um, well, I think they used the pilot to establish that relationship, sure. and I'm sure we'll get plenty more, because again, just the little walk and talks that they do are great when they're going to the park and doing the other walk and talk about sure. the books and all that stuff, but I think you needed Ted to branch out. You understand that relationship. You needed Ted to branch out and start establishing these with some of these other characters, and I'm, again, as somebody's only seen the first two episodes, I'm very excited to see where we go from here, because I think there's a lot of interesting interwoven things that... Uh, They've probably been kind of laying the groundwork sure, for us. Sure, sure. I mean, that main thing of will Ted and Keeley fall in love? Will they get married? Will they have babies? That's essentially what I think we're all wondering, right? Um. Yeah. Find out next week. 
same bad time? Prob- they'll probably do a fast forward, and that's what we'll find out in episode three. <laughs> uh, anyways, we have taken too much time, but we've enjoyed this. I have enjoyed this. I am Julian, and you are... And I'm Tom. Thanks for uh, tuning in with uh, Team Binge. See you next time. From the Believe a Ted Lasso podcast. Yes. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you for episode three, which is called... Biscuits Getting Gravy. Yeah, Biscuits and Gravy. That's exactly (laughs) right. All right. Bye, guys. (laughs) Nailed it.